It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Reds fans? My name is Jeff Carr, and you are Locked On Reds. And here we go. What's up and what's happening, Reds fans? Welcome in to the Locked On Reds podcast. My name is Jeff Carr. Thank you so much for downloading and listening to your only daily podcast for the Cincinnati Reds. On today's show, we'll recap the Reds' 3-1 to defeat at the hands of the Atlanta Braves on Wednesday night. And we will also take a look at a Throwback Thursday segment. Got a treat for you there. But before we get to that, make sure you've hit that subscribe button on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Himalaya, any app with which you're listening to this podcast. Make sure you get that subscribe button because that is the easiest way to get this podcast each and every day. Also, check us out on social media at Lockdown Reds and at Jeff Carr with three Fs. Got a lot of good content that goes up at LockdownReds.com as well. Wednesday night, the Reds didn't quite pull out a win. They received a good pitching performance from Tanner Rourke. He held the Braves to just two runs over five innings pitched, but he was saddled with a loss. As the Braves rookie, Mike Soroka, a 21-year-old right-hander, was dealing. And by dealing, I meant he had this weird changeup that touched about 80 miles an hour that had everyone out in front of it, even in the sixth inning. Whenever he'd toss it up there, he had Yasiel Puig and Derek Dietrich just so far out in front of it that they were never, ever going to touch it. And I give a you know tip of the cap to that guy. Really good pitching performance by him. There was a scenario in the sixth inning when the Reds had the bases loaded with two outs, and they had Michael Lorenzen coming up. He had you know finished off the top of the sixth inning in relief and gotten one out. And the thought was maybe he could have been left in, and maybe he could have pitched after he you know took his hat bat, but. David Bell opted for the lefty-righty matchup and subbed in Scott Shebler. Shebler, though, you know, he's been struggling. He's had a tough time of it. And he swung at the first pitch and grounded out to the first baseman. And there was no two-out rally. And the Reds never really recovered from that and ended up never scoring more than that one run, the one run with which they got in the very first inning. They did have a total of five hits, and they did have another error tonight. That was given to Yasiel Puig. Puig kind of overplayed a ball in right field, which got the Braves scoring going there in the fifth, which allowed them to take the lead at that time. You know, they only scored that one run off of that one play, but that was enough basically for them for the rest of the game. 
And then Robert Stevenson came in in the top of the ninth inning and unfortunately came back down to earth a little bit, gave up two walks. One of them was intentional, and he did allow a run. So overall, it was a frustrating game to watch. You know, the the lineup never really got out of the chokehold that Mike Soroka had them in. This was a completely different performance by the Braves pitching staff as, you know, on Tuesday night, they just could not throw strikes. The Reds got nine walks on Tuesday night. In comparison, Wednesday night, they only got four walks, half as many. You know, a little less than half as many, you know, hashtag math. But that, among other things, there wasn't a lot of solid contact. I mean, there was a situation where there's runners on first and second with nobody out there in the sixth inning. And or it was runners on first and second with one out. And Tucker Barnhart came up and Tucker, you know, he put a full swing on it, but he got just a little bit of the ball that it literally went straight down and hit the dirt in fair territory. It essentially worked like a bunt. It moved the runners over to second and third. But if you're Tucker, that's not what you were trying to do. You know, he was trying to get the bat on the ball, put it in the outfield, get a single, get some runs in. So it was just a frustrating night all around for Reds hitters. They'll look to bounce back as Thursday's series, you know, the rubber match will feature Julio Tehran, whose ERA is up over five, and he's got 29 strikeouts on the season, but he also has 14 walks. So this could be a long game as we see him try to dance around the strike zone with the Reds hitters, and opposing him for the Reds on the mound will be our favorite son, Luis Castillo. We'll see if he can continue his early season dominance against this Braves lineup that is just absolutely stacked. I mean, the Reds only gave up three runs tonight against the Braves. It could have been so much more. The Braves had a lot of opportunities to blow the roof off the doors here, but they just, you know, the the Reds pitching did just enough to keep the game within reach the entire time. And what did I tell you at the beginning of the season? That's exactly what pitching is going to do. Don't expect shutouts every single time out, but this pitching staff is going to keep the game within reach. It's going to be up to the lineup to bring in the runs and to bring in the wins. So we'll see if they can do that tomorrow. You know, Phil Irvin got the start in center field tonight. Really, the best thing that he did was he worked a walk. He worked a two-out walk there in the sixth inning, which ended up loading the bases for Scott Shebler. I tell you what, he he's really developing. And I'll go off on a tangent just for a second on Phil Irvin. As some of you know, when I when I was writing for Locked On Reds last year, James and James kind of called me out on. It. He said, you know, Jeff Carr, Phil Irvin is Jeff Carr's guy. And that's still the case. Like, I really love watching Phil Irvin play. I think he's a smart dude. He takes great at-bats. He is a phenomenal at-bat taker. And I think that's only going to continue to grow. I mean, look, we're talking about a first-round pick here. It's not as if it was some guy that they just picked up off the street, got for nothing. He's meant to be a linchpin of this team. We'll see if he can develop into that, but I really like what I see from him. I hope he gets a lot more playing time going forward, at least until Nick Senzel can get up here and out of the minor leagues. Let's talk a minute about 
BlueChew.com. BlueChew.com has an introductory offer for the Locked On Reds listeners. You just go to BlueChew.com, B-L-U-E-Chew.com, and enter promo code MLB for a free introductory offer. You just pay $5 in shipping, and it gets sent straight to your door. What BlueChew is is a generic form of Viagra. It has the same, you know, the same uh, active ingredient as Viagra and Cialis, and it's in a chewable form, so it works faster. It's the kind of thing that if you want a performance boost in the bedroom, it's going to get you what you want in a quick way. That's bluechew.com. Enter promo code MLB for a free introductory offer. BlueChew.com is a sponsor of the Locked On Reds podcast, and we thank them for sponsoring today's episode. You're listening to the Locked On Reds podcast. It's Thursday. It's Throwback Thursday. I've not been super consistent with my Throwback Thursdays here since the season has started. If you were listening to the podcast during the off season, and if you want to go back and check some of those podcasts out, I had pretty much entire episodes dedicated to Throwback Thursdays looking at Reds history. I'm a huge baseball history buff. And looking at Red's history, really outside of the Big Red Machine in 1990, and outside of recent history, because we all know what the Reds have been like for the last decade or so. You know, if you're listening to this podcast, I'm pretty confident that you know a lot about the Reds, and you've got a good knowledge of what has happened in your lifetime, in my lifetime. You know, I was born in 1989. I'll go ahead and date myself there. So we're going to look beyond that. We're going to look, the Reds have been around for 150 years. It's not as if there's only, you know, a handful of years that we can even talk about. There's a lot to talk about. And today is a perfect example. Today, I want to talk about a dude who played a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away or whatever. I just had to slide that in. Anyway, 1905 is what I'm looking at. I'm looking at Cy Seymour. This dude, and and really, I'll admit, shout out to Red Leg Nation. I got this off of their Red Leg Nation Madness uh, bracket. But Cy Seymour was a center fielder back in that time, you know, that you had some crazy numbers going on. And really, he was only with the Reds for a handful of seasons. But in 1905, he went nuts. He led the majors, not the National League. He led the majors in hits with 219, triples with 21. He had 21 triples. RBIs, he had 121 RBIs. He only hit eight home runs, but he had 121 RBIs. He didn't hit a whole lot of bat, you know, whole lot of round trippers back then. But he also led the major leagues in batting average at 377. What a number that was. He led in slugging, 559, OPS 988, and just a phenomenal year. And the funny part about it was that sort of season, you know, you bat 377 with 121 RBIs. He played before there was any kind of MVP award. You know, they, they began with the Chalmers Award in 1910, and that was just, you know, that was... Um, I think it was Henry Chalmers. I looked that up. Hugh Chalmers of the Chalmers Automobile Company 
came up with this idea in 1910. He was going to give out a Chalmers Model 30, which if you go Google that, you know, Google image search there, Model 30, pretty nice looking old car. But he would give one of those cars to the player with the highest batting average in the league at that time. And so that was kind of the first semblance of the MVP award. The MVP award really became what it was in 1922, whenever, you know, the American League created a new award to honor the baseball player who is of the greatest all-around service to his club. And I'm quoting the wonderful Wikipedia there. But so, you know, the, the MVP award did not exist whenever Cy Seymour was in his heyday in that you know, it's a real shame because that would be another MVP to add in Reds history because I, I, I mean, without looking at what the rest of the league did in 1905, I can pretty much say that if you lead the majors, not just the National League, but the major leagues in all of those numbers, and the funny thing was he even led the National League in doubles. He didn't lead all of the majors in doubles, but he led the National League in doubles with 40. So he was just all over the place that entire season. And what was neat about Cy Seymour is that he began his career like Shohei Otani or Michael Lorenzen. He was a two-way guy. He played center field and he pitched. Now, he stopped pitching after the 1902 season. He pitched one year for the Reds, and he only pitched a couple of appearances, and he had a 9.0 ERA. So they're like, you know what? No, you're fine just hitting. But it was really awesome to, you know, kind of read up on Cy Seymour there. Definitely encourage you to go check him out. Wanted to keep this as a segment, but also check out Cy Seymour. It's really hard to quantify how good those players were from back then because the game was just so completely different from what it is now, but it's neat to see the numbers that he put up. So real quick, we're going to talk about just a thought that I had the other day. And and this is something that it's coming probably in a week, you know, maybe maybe two weeks or something like that. When Nick Senzel is called up, because I don't believe it's going to be any longer that it can't be any longer than that. The outfield right now is just dismal. They've got to get him up here. So when he comes up, who is sent down? Because you've got your obvious, you know, your obvious candidates. But I have a thought. And really it's permeated by recency bias, you know, just seeing what he's done the last couple of nights. But it's more than that. This entire beginning of the season, Scott Shebler has really struggled to get going. I think Shebler would benefit from like a week or two in AAA to kind of clear his head. Because right now he's just in a funk. I mean, you saw it on, you know, you saw it tonight coming up to pinch hit. He's free swinging at the very first pitch. And I, I just think he needs some time. And I think he, you got to pull Sinzel up, leave Irvin up here. But send down Shebler. That's a thought. Just something to chew on for a little bit. Last thought of the day here. But, you know, tell me what you think. Hit me up on Twitter. Also, you know, hit up the Locked On Reds phone line. 513-549-0159. And let me know what you think there. I need to do a mailbag segment. I'm also got another idea 
in the works, just a fan reaction segment. And shout out to Justin Weyer on Twitter. I think I pronounced that right. Justin Weyer, at J Weyer, J-W-E-Y-E-R-2-4 on Twitter. Kind of came up with an idea for a segment that I might uh, add in here soon. Going to call it Wisdom of the Crowd. Just fan reactions. Just you reacting to what is going on, what the Reds are doing. If you want to just, you know, throw down about why Nick Senzel's still not up here. If you want to throw down about something David Bell's doing. I love David Bell. I really do. I'm a David Bell guy. But one of the reasons I am a David Bell guy is because he does so much for us to analyze. He gives me so much to think about, so much to write about, so much to talk about. And I love it. But, you know, react to that, all that good stuff. The Lockdown Reds phone line is the perfect way to do it because when you do that, you leave a message. I can download it and play it on the podcast. Like I said, the number for that, for the Lockdown Reds phone line, is 513-549-0159. Put that in your phones as the Lockdown Reds line. And whenever you get a wild hair about you about the Reds and you want to just get something off your chest, give us a call, you know, Kind of try to keep it a little bit clean. I can't can't be having too much profanity lace tirades on here, but give me your thoughts. I want to hear them. 513-549-0159. Anyway, that's it for the Thursday episode of the Lockdown Reds podcast. Tomorrow, phone it in Friday, I've got Doug Gray, the man from RedsMinorLeagues.com and RedLegNation.com. We're talking all things minor leagues. He had a great piece earlier this week about the Reds player development and their lack thereof. And I, you know, I unpacked that with him. I also talk about Nick Senzel. He got to see him on Tuesday. He got to talk to him all that good stuff we're going to talk all about that definitely check that out tomorrow and the best way to get that is to hit that subscribe button it'll automatically download you won't even have to do anything just hit that button there on itunes spotify google play stitcher himalaya all the good podcast apps out there and then also remember that your voice activation function can pull up the locked on reds podcast just say hey smart device play podcast locked on reds and it'll pull right up nice and easy. That'll be it for me here on this Thursday. I will talk to you guys with Doug Gray with me to talk with you as well tomorrow. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.